being in the house of the Lord tonight. Oh, my. Sometimes you love to hate this time of the year because there are so many things going on and people are scattered, but I am grateful, first of all, that I have a church to come to. Amen. Anybody grateful that you have a church to come to? Amen. I am not only grateful for that, I'm grateful that it's a good church to come to. Amen. Good people. God's been great. And I have no complaints tonight. I would to God that he would help all of us. I prayed in here today that God would somehow set a new tone and a new atmosphere in our lives that would usher us into his perfect will for this coming new year. Amen. And I believe he's going to do that. We're going to have a great time here Sunday morning. And we're going to try to get off on the right foot for the new year. Amen. However our stumbling might be at this moment, we want to get our bearing, get our mind in the right direction, and uh, get off to the on the right foot. I don't remember the exact details, but it seemed like there were 13 steps that led up to the temple, uh, and they were that number for a specific reason so that the person coming to worship they would they would take that first step and I I, I just remember reading a little bit of the history so that when they got to the top step they were putting their right foot forward and that was a sign that they were headed in the right direction well I want us to put our right foot forward Amen. Whether you're left-handed or right-handed, put your right foot forward this coming new year. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. I am thankful for the word of the Lord tonight. And though I've gone to it many times in my life, it never fails to speak to me again. And I just I believe the Lord would be pleased tonight for us to take a look at this setting, Philippians chapter 3, and I want to begin my reading at verse number 12, going to read down through verse number 15, and it reads like this, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse number 15 says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, or the word would be mature or growing up, many of you as are perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you in if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this. Unto you, let us be thus minded 
Amen. I like that. I like it uh, when I read it from different translations, how it kind of magnifies. I want to read just a few verses from the uh, NCV version. It says, I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. Amen. Anybody feel like you are already what God wants you to be? He said, I do not mean, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. I have not reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and to make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he made me his. Amen. There's a reason. I like how the revised trend or the amplified Bible says, speaks in verse number 15. He said, so let us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind and hold these convictions. Maybe that's my subject, this mind and these convictions. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, this mind and these convictions. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. This mind and these convictions. As we come to the end of of another year, uh, the mind can travel down a lot of pathways. Sometimes it is a troubling season for people because Uh, The past year has not been the best, and I think probably some of us tonight would probably uh, agree with that, that it may have not been the best year of our life, but it was another year of our life, and I am thankful for every year that God has given me. I've lived a lot longer than I thought I would, and I told someone the other day, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I probably would have taken better care of myself. And I think all of us feel that way. I never come to this time of year that I do not think about the fact that uh, the only part of God's creation that is conscious of time is us. The deer, the rabbit, the cow, the giraffe, the antelope, whatever animal or creature you would want to think about will come to January or or December the 31st and they will think no differently when January 1 rolls around than they did when the day before that rolled around because their life is not affected by time. But ours is. Our lives are controlled by time. And we are conscious that time has a meaning and a purpose and it has a reason to it. And so we are God's creations uh, made in such a way that we we anticipate that, that tomorrow could be better than today. And we live with that hope. The cow will chew its cud on Saturday evening and do it like it's done for all of its life and it will wake up January 1st morning and keep chewing its cud just like it always has and not even be aware that a new year has arrived. But you and I will. 
There's something in us. There's something innate within all of us that are looking forward to something new. Amen. Amen. I love the word new. Amen. I don't want to get hung up on the old because the old is not always as good as it could be. And that's one of the promises of God's word is that the future for us is always brighter than the past. Now, I don't want to get away from the old. I do like the old-time religion. I want to be old-time in many ways in that regard. But I want to understand tonight that God's purpose for my life is not in the past. It's in the future. It's in what is still before me. And as we come to the end of another year, the mind goes down many pathways. And there are many things that can control our thoughts at times like this. There are many things that can completely govern our thinking. And they affect the mindset in which we live. And it's affected. And our lives are affected. Some of us get hung up on the bad that's happened. And there's a lot of people that get hung up on other things, but tonight, I am convinced, would be a good night for me to set the tone for this coming new year and to set in motion certain principles and things that will assure me that God's best will be before me and not behind me. I believe that. I I prayed today that somehow God would help me in whatever way I could to help some of you understand that tonight would be a good night to lay some things down and let some things go. That tonight would be a good night to refocus your mind and your thinking and your attitude to adjust it a little bit. I Uh, read or or I saw on uh, a billboard somebody had placed out in front of a bar one evening, attitude adjustment hour from five to seven, drinks were half price. And there's a lot of people that think they can adjust their attitude by what they drink or by what they eat. But I want to adjust my attitude by something better than a shot of Jack Daniels or whatever else they serve. I I want my mind to be affected by something that's eternal, something that really counts. Amen. Something that matters. And tonight, I would pray that God would help all of us to to get a right mind and a right attitude and a mindset for this coming year that could make such a difference in our lives and the lives of others. I love reading the Apostle Paul And sometimes I feel intimidated by what I read because he was a man of such deep spiritual understanding and knowledge. And he had such a grasp of things about God that I struggle many times to come up with. But when I read here in Philippians, I I am encouraged to hear a man of the caliber of Paul say what he says here in our text. And that is that I am not perfect. I I have not arrived. Now, 
When I read that, I thought, you know, of all people that probably had the right to feel like they had something to crow over or something to applaud themselves over, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet when Paul looked back over his life, he said, I I don't feel like I've made it yet. I feel like I'm still a work in progress. That's pretty encouraging to me. I'm a work in progress, that God's still doing something, that he still has something for me to do. And he said, I've not attained. I've not already attained. I've not reached that place that I'm. I feel like I need to reach, and so I'm striving still, and that's the way I want to live. I, I don't want to come to a place in life where I rest on my laurels, and I'm just happy with what was, and I live in the memory of what was. I don't care what your age is tonight. There's still something God can do in your life and through your life if you have the right mindset and you have the right attitude. You have the right convictions. Amen. God can do something. Amen. I believe that. Amen. I have not attained, but I'm still reaching for it. I want to have that kind of attitude. There's still more. As much as you may have seen in God, there's still something you haven't seen that God can do and God's up to. And for a man of his stature to make such a statement that he was not complete yet, but He was pressing on, encourages me tonight when I see myself in my limitations and in my weakness. I understand what Paul felt that day when he wrote these words. And he encourages me tonight to keep reaching. However weak I may seem or feel to keep reaching, to believe that something better is ahead. There were three things that spoke to me today and I pray that they will speak to you, that Paul speaks of here in this passage that I believe are pertinent to us who come to the end of an old year and we approach the new. I I believe that there are three thoughts or there are three convictions that we need to invade our thinking and we need to consume our thoughts A mindset that needs to capture all of us. Amen. Everybody say a mindset. A mindset. A way of going about life and living that will never be the same as it was. That will not be contented with just living on past victories. But will look for new glories that God would like to show us. Three thoughts. Three convictions. A mind that would begin to work in this direction. And Paul mentions three things here that I believe are critical to you and I. The first thing that Paul said in verse 12 was that he had not apprehended, he had not attained, he had had not laid his hand on everything that had laid hold of him. And I, I love that thought because... Paul was in essence saying that I am, I am trying to grasp what has grasped me. I, I'm trying to lay hold of what has laid hold of me. And it seems to me that Paul was striving for a deeper understanding of just why God called him and why God arrested him on the road to Damascus, why God put his hand upon him. 
that Paul was trying to grasp that. He was trying to apprehend or he was trying to put his hands around the idea that his life had a purpose to it, that his life had meaning. And when God stopped him on that road and that encounter he had with God, it spoke volumes to him of his life, that his life was a life that had vision and purpose to it, that he was not just a number or a statistic, but God had a calling upon his life. And something happened to Paul on the road to Damascus that he did not want to forget or lose sight of. He wanted to get hold of what had reached out and gotten hold of him. It was a calling. It was a purpose. It was a reason for him being here. He was not just going through the motions and the mechanics of living and life, but he was trying to understand why has God spared me this long? Why has God kept me through all that I've gone through? Certainly, if God did not have a reason for me being here, I would have been with others. That marker is in the graveyard tonight, but I'm still here, and I'm here for a purpose, and I'm here for a reason, and I don't want to lose sight of that. Paul said, I'm trying to reach out and get hold of what got hold of me that day. And understand what it is about God that when he looks at me says, you still need to be here. You're still important to my plan. I still have something to do with you. And so Paul uses a language that speaks of determination and, and a resolve. The word that he uses for apprehend literally means to see something or to lay hold of it. It was intentional. It was not accidental. It wasn't something that just came tumbling out of a cereal box. And it wasn't a fortune that he read when he went to the Chinese restaurant that altered his life. But it was an understanding that when God called him, God called him for a purpose. Amen. God spared him for a reason. And Paul wanted to, he wanted to get a hold of that. He wanted to understand that his life had meaning and purpose. And so he made his effort to lay hold of it and to seize that like somebody running after a prize or someone trying desperately to catch that thing that is before them. He wanted to get hold of what had gotten hold of him. Man, getting a grip on his calling, his purpose and understanding that if I'm going to be useful to God. I'm going to have to live with purpose. I'm going to have to live on purpose. Some of you need to listen to me right now. Some of you need to pay attention to what God's trying to say, that your life has meaning to it. Quit wasting it. Quit squandering it on things that don't matter. You say, how do you know people are living without purpose? When I look at the way they live, when I look at what their priorities are, when I look at the things that consume their time and energy, when people spend more time on this than they do in this, that tells me what our purpose is. And that tells me that I've lost sight of what really matters. When the things of this world consume my energy and my time, and I lose sight of the fact that the reason God has allowed me to live this long is because he has a purpose for my life. And I need to get my hands on that tonight and understand that the reason that I'm still here is because God has a work for me to do. Amen. Somebody say, I have a purpose.
I have a divine calling upon my life. And so he wanted to get a hold of that, claiming it, procuring it, remembering that calling lest he would fail in what God had laid upon him to do. There are far too many people that have lost their sense of purpose and they have lost their sense of direction in life. Oh, they still live. They breathe. They eat. They bathe. They clothe themselves. They work. They go about life as if it were purposeful. But the reality is they have given up on life a long time ago. People squander their talents. They squander their lives. They squander their gifts. The way they live is a life that is a life without purpose. They live without a vision. They live without an understanding that God has a direction for me. The Bible said where there is no vision, the people perish. They wander. They grope because there is nothing to guide them. And Paul said, that's what I've got to get hold of. I've got to lay hold and never let go this understanding that the reason that God spared me was that I could be useful in his kingdom. And if I fail to lay hands on that, I am missing the greatest privilege and opportunity of my life. And he said, I don't want anything else in my hands but that one thing, and that is God's divine purpose for my life. Amen. How critical it is that we understand our purpose and that we live with purpose. Having a sense of purpose and a reason for being here. That God saved me. Not so I would keep squandering what he has given me, but I would use it. God did not call you or I without a reason. Amen. Think about that. Tonight. The reason... You're sitting on a church pew tonight. It's not because you're good looking and have a lot of money. But it's because God saw something in all of you and me that could be useful to his kingdom. And so he called us. Amen. We must never lose sight of that. Because when you live without purpose, you live without power. It's when people have a sense of purpose. I'm here for a reason. God has brought me to the kingdom for such a time as this that people step into the role that God created for that moment that they alone could fill. Esther had no idea why the Lord had worked things out the way he did in her life. But when it came to that critical moment, Mordecai said, Esther, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And it was that understanding that caused her to take a further step and say, I will go to the king. And if I perish, I perish. But I'm not going to live below what God has called me to do for him in this hour. God, would you help us as we approach the beginning of a new year to get a mind a a, a handle on what our purpose is and why we're here and not just to occupy a pew and take up space and take up BTUs and, uh, and, and heat up the building and all of that. But I'm here for a reason. God saved me. God spared me. I could have died a long time ago. I could have been a paraplegic 
15 years ago, but God chose to not let that happen in my life. And why I would allow this hour to come and not live to the potential that God saved me for is beyond my understanding. God saved all of us. I believe everybody in this building could think back to a time if it had not been for God and a divine intervention, you would have already been gone. Your name would be etched on a tombstone. It may have been drugs or alcohol or or it may have been a wrong place at the wrong time or an accident or whatever else could have happened or that heart that you think is never going to stop could have just completely shut down. And yet God spared you. He kept you. Why? That's what we need to figure out. Why does God still have me here? Why am I not... Why didn't I lose my mind when I I thought I was going over the edge and somehow God protected me and he kept me from losing my mind because he has a purpose for me. He has a reason. And that's what needs to invade our thinking is that God has a purpose. What What does God want me to do in 2017? How do I fit into God's plan For this coming year. Do you understand with me tonight. That God does have a plan. That 2017. It might have caught us by surprise. But it did not catch God by surprise. He already had it mapped out. He's already. And we may not live through the entirety of it. Or we may live until 2020. I don't know. But I want to make sure. That as I enter into 2017. That I enter with something in me that understands I am here for a reason. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to squander my talent. I don't want to miss my opportunity. I don't want my day to come and pass. I don't want revival to be in the atmosphere and me so consumed with myself that I miss what God is doing. Do do you understand tonight that this could be the greatest year of revival that the church has ever known? That doesn't mean it's going to come here. It's going to come to those that are looking for it. I want to be somebody that stands on tiptoes and looks to the future and understand that God brought me here for a reason and God saved me for a reason and he's kept me here for a reason. I don't ever want to lose sight of that. And I want to get my hands on that. Amen. How critical it is. What a waste is a wasted life. There's nothing more tragic than a wasted life. A wasted mind. Because people squandered it on just the frivolous, the unimportant, the careless. Living with purpose is a powerful way to live. And the only powerful people that I know are people who live with purpose and they live on purpose. They get up in the morning, no matter how they feel or what life may be saying to them, they say, God, call me to the kingdom for such a time as this. God has saved me for this. There's got to be something in my weakness and in my weak, my humanity that God can still use. And if it's there, I want God to bring it to the surface. Somebody say my purpose. I've got to know what my purpose is. And so the, the mindset that we need in this hour is a mindset of purpose. That God has called me for a reason And when we remember this, even the mundane becomes meaningful. Even the everyday stuff becomes important. Amen.
There are some people that are of the opinion that the only day they're supposed to show up is when the great things are happening, when the Super Bowl's taking place. And that's when they show up is when there's something grand to happen. And then they wonder why God doesn't use them on that grand day. They get bitter and angry at God when the reality is God's looking for somebody that will be faithful to him January the 2nd, just like you are January the 1st and the 3rd and the 4th and the 5th, that on the mundane everyday life, uh, uh, everyday living, that you live with a sense of, of destiny, that there's there's a reason that I'm here. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm not going to waste my time. And so ta- Paul talks about coming to a place where he can put things in their right priority and, and he can put them in their right relationship and he can take the things that are important and put them above the things that are not important. He can lay the eternal beside his life and understand there's some things I need to be concerned about and there's some things that I don't need to worry about. Amen. The second thing that Paul talks about is forgetting. Everybody, everybody say forgetting. Amen. I, I always love this part of it, forgetting. And you say, Brother Hughes, that, that, that's easy for you to talk about, but it's hard for me to do. Well, I found an answer today that I have not I, I, I guess I just have overlooked it, but I found an answer. I'm going to tell you how to forget today. All right? But forgetting. There are things that we need to forget. I love the word that is used in the Greek. It means letting go of. You know, there's some things you just need to let go of. You need to quit hashing out and hashing over. Just let go. There's some things that you need to just move away from. Amen. That's what the word forgetting means. Move away from it. Let it go. Move away from it. You say, well, I have. No, you hadn't. I can tell by the way people keep talking and the things they talk about that they hadn't let it go and they hadn't moved on. Amen. You say, brother, you say, I don't want to hear this. Well, bless your sweetheart. I didn't want to either, but the Holy Ghost has worked me over today, so I'll let it work you over. God said it's time for us The mindset for the new year is a mindset that's going to let go of some stuff that's behind us. Amen. Let it go. Move away from it. It means to lose out of mind. Now, how do you lose something out of mind? I believe I can tell you that. It means to neglect. There's some stuff you just need to quit answering the doorbell. You need to quit paying attention to that. You need to quit giving it your no longer caring for. That's what he meant. It's just, you know what? It's not that I don't care, but there's other things that are more important than me being consumed on what was. Amen. Now, you have to understand that when Paul made that statement, he was talking about two things. He was talking about the things Behind him that were good and the things behind him that were bad. It doesn't matter if your past is the greatest and most glorious story that's ever been written. God didn't call you to live back there. He called you to live for what's out there. And so Paul had a lot to to be proud of. He had a lot to boast of. He, 
He had seen visions and he had gone to the third heaven. I mean, he had done it all. He had seen it all. As far as man was concerned, there was nobody that had a greater revelation or understanding of God's purpose in this world than the Apostle Paul. But he said, everything that I know up to this point, I'm going to let go of because there's something out there that's bigger than what I've got a hold of right here. And I'm going to forget the things that are behind. What has happened, what was, what's been done, what's been left undone, what was right, what was wrong. You cannot live back there, good or bad. He said he will never glory in his achievements nor use them as an excuse for not reaching for the future. We are not to glory in the past, nor are we to be goaded by the past. We're not to allow it to become an excuse for the present, but your life is not defined by what was. It needs to be defined by what can be. So Paul said, I forget those things that are behind. I let go. There's an upward calling. There's something about God that no matter how good it's been, the future is always going to be better with God. No matter how high you have climbed, when you stay connected with God, He can always take you a little higher. No matter how much you know about God, if you stay connected to Him and you keep the right attitude and you have the right mindset, God will always show you that there's more, more to come. Amen. There's an upward calling of God to his people, offering me more and better and greater things. So I need not get mired in what was. Amen. Because I'm excited about what is and what will be. Amen. I, I, am, I am maybe the eternal optimist, but I still believe the best days of our church are before us. They're not behind us. If I didn't believe that, I would resign tonight and go get a job at Walmart. Amen. I believe that. The future, what's ahead of us, we can't even comprehend. But if we can lay our hands upon our purpose and understand that God has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this, and we can let some stuff go, just... Forget it, no matter what it was, good, bad, pretty, ugly, it doesn't matter. Failures are successes. Let it go. Don't let that define your life. Someone cries out to me tonight, Brother Hughes, I would love to forget if I knew how. And I'm going to tell you how right now. The easiest way I've ever figured out how to forget. We forget by becoming attentive to something else. That's how we forget. The reason some people can't forget is because they can't let go. That's consuming their mind. That's all they think about. That's every time something happens, it triggers an old memory and it brings all that garbage back to the surface. But a person who learns how to forget learns that it is being attentive to something else other than that. It is becoming attentive to something other than that. Forgetting the past by filling your mind with the importance of what is before you. Amen. Your life cannot be inspired by what is behind you, but only 
by what is before you. What is behind you will mock you. It may ridicule you. It may laugh at you. But if you can let it go, forgetting is done by remembering what still needs to be done. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Do you want your life to end like it is right now? You say, well, brother, you, I feel pretty good about myself. Well, great. I'm glad you do. But not everybody might feel that way. But when you look at, and nobody knows you like you do. Nobody knows whether you're living up to your potential or I'm living up to mine. Nobody knows whether I'm doing all that God called me to do, the reason he saved me. But I know. I know the shortcomings and the downfalls, and I'm here to tell you that I don't want my life to end right now. Because I believe our greatest days are still before us. And I believe our greatest opportunities are yet to come. And I want my mind to be so focused on that fact. I want my mind to be consumed not on what was done, but what is still to be done. That that's what draws me. And then Paul said, number three, he said, I'm reaching out. I love the image. Paul was using the image of a of a racer or a runner who was straining toward the tape. He was straining toward reaching the goal. He was intent on finishing what he had started. Going flat out is one translation. Going all out to the finish line. I don't know if you've ever really watched races before, foot races, but I've seen it many times when it was so close that you would see that last burst of energy and you would see them stretching their chest out, putting whatever they could to get across that finish line so they would win the prize. And Paul said, that's the way I am right now. I'm stretching myself. I'm pushing myself. I'm not going to be satisfied and rest. I want what is before me because what is before me is greater than what is behind me. And he had eyes for nothing but the gold. That's not always easy. That's why I believe he used the word strive. Amen. It's not within our nature to do that all the time. We get lazy, really lazy sometimes. And we just like to coast. I just want to, just, I, I remember hearing a testimony when I was a kid. People would stand up and say, pray for me that I will just make it in. Just, just make it in. And I'm thinking, Lord, is that the way you really want us to live? That we can just get by by the skin of our teeth? That we barely get through those pearly gates before they clang shut? That God has to go down a long line of things before he can find reason to let me in? My Lord, no. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live... On some minimum standard, and, and you say, Well, Brother Hughes, what do I have to do? What, what, I want to tell you, there's a better way to live than having to live, getting to live. Amen. The direction of my life must be forward. I don't care. You may get mad, you may get tired. You may wish I would shut up right now, but I'm going to tell somebody here tonight that you better make sure that you have a, still have a forward in your life. That you can pull that thing out of reverse or neutral or whatever it's been stuck in and put it in forward. Amen. Let's go.
Amen. You say, really, use, I don't know what the future holds. Neither do I, but I know who holds the future. And I know he's called me. I refuse to allow my life to be defined by what was. I want to go for the future, what could be, what God is up to next. Does it ever stir your mind to wonder the God who created everything that is and could speak with one word and a world come into existence a God that can do all of that. What is he about to do next? Amen. Let's stand together. I think you probably had all you can handle tonight. Some of you look shell-shocked right now. <laughs> Amen.